Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. I'm inviting you to stay tuned for this edition of Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. We're so glad that you've joined us today, and we do pray earnestly that this broadcast will be both inspirational and instructive, and we believe that God is going to speak to us by His Spirit. When I open the Bible, I open my heart to receive what God has to tell me. Amen. And so I'm not just going to minister today to an audience, a radio audience. I am going to share what the Lord is sharing with me through His Word. Praise God. And what He's given me, not just to give to you, to share with you, but what He's given me for me today. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I, I don't just get to feed the sheep when I open the Bible and preach the Word and teach the Word. I get to, I get to graze with the sheep. Hallelujah. Because I am indeed one of God's sheep. He is the shepherd king of my heart and my soul and my life. And His Word is received into the good ground of my heart. I prepare my heart not just to preach the Word of God, but to receive the Word of God and let it touch and change and challenge my own life and my own heart today. So I'm not standing on some hill above everyone that is hearing me speak today and speaking condescendingly down to you. I'm standing in some of the deep, dark valleys of life that everyone goes through with you. And I'm standing in the same weak flesh and I'm standing in the same doubtful fearful mind that sometimes occurs when when we're overwhelmed by circumstances. But I'm also standing in the grace and the greatness and the goodness of a wonderful God who gave His Son for me. And a Son who died for me as my substitute on the cross and promised to never leave me, never forsake me. And a Holy Spirit that came to live within me and abide with me forever. So there's victory in Jesus today. Uh, we just want to enter in uh, to that place that we can hear what the Spirit has to say to the church in this very critical, chaotic, crucial, crisis-ridden time that we live in. We're going to be talking about becoming a true worshiper in just a few moments, finding God's spiritual fulfillment while fulfilling God's requirement for authentic worship. Just before we read from John's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 19 through 24, uh, you will see church signs uh, telling when their services are. And it usually will say something like this, Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m., Sunday evening worship, 7 p.m., Wednesday Bible study or prayer service or whatever the Wednesday night meeting is representative of. But I want to zone in on that word today, that word worship. If it's just three songs, maybe a solo, an offertory song, and the preacher preaches, that's, uh, that, that's a way of bringing us into a place and a position spiritually where we can worship. But it isn't necessarily worship in and of itself. Worship, the very word for worship, is based on the, the old English word worth-ship. And it is actually denoting how much, how much 
we appreciate, how what value we place upon a person or a thing. And in true worship, we worship the Lord with everything that is within us for all that He has done for us, for who He is initially, and all that He has done in and through Jesus Christ for you and for me. You know, there's a process of coming into His presence. The Bible said that we're to enter His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. Watch the progression. Enter His courts with praise and come before His presence with singing. Hallelujah. The New Testament says that we're to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, always making melody in our heart to the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Always making melody in our heart to the Lord. So we're doing far more than just following a song leader and mouthing the words that we see on a screen. First, those, those sentiments, those feelings have to occur in the heart where God is looking. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks far deeper. God looks upon the heart. That's why He requires truth It has to be authentic. It has to come from those feelings that maybe we can't articulate in our own words what we're feeling in our heart. But when we sing those great hymns of the faith, we're able, someone has been able to not only articulate it, but put it to melody and put it to music. And we, we come into the presence of God. And when we come into the presence of God through authentic worship, amen, we begin to experience the presence of God in our own hearts and in our, our own lives. And worship is to be a life changing event, not just a religious routine and a religious ritual, literally. And there's a danger of it becoming that because in, in many circles, we already know what's going to occur. We know what to expect and we can easily fall into the trap of just going through the motions. God has called us to a deeper life spiritually than that. Listen to this scripture today. This, I'm going to put this in context. This is in John's Gospel, chapter 4. The portion I'm going to actually read is verses 19 through 24. But I want to begin by saying, At Jacob's well, Jesus was wearied. He said to his disciples, Go into the city and buy something to eat. And he waited at Jacob's well. And while he waited at Jacob's well, tired, needing nourishment, thirsty, needing a drink, a woman came to draw water from the well. And she wasn't a Jew. She was Samaritan. And, 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 he, and, and when she put the, the bucket down to draw the water up from the well, he said, Woman, give me to drink. And she was shocked. That he being someone clearly of the the rabbinical Jewish background would even talk to her, even to ask for her to serve him. (laughs) And then he, he, as she drew water and offered it to Christ, he said something else so significant to her. He said, woman, if you knew who it was that said unto you, give me to drink, you would ask of me and I would give you living water. 
and you would never thirst again. And then he began to talk to her about her life. And he told her that she, if you come to this well and drink, you'll come back to this well and drink again and again. You will never be able to drink enough that you will not have to come back and search for water. And so her life had been searching for fulfillment in only human relationships. She had been married five times, given up on marriage altogether now, and was living with a man who was not her husband. He told her about her own life, but he offered her living water. And you know what she said to him? Sir, give me this water that I not thirst any more. She saw what he was telling her about the need to be fulfilled spiritually. God wants us to worship Him in such a way that He can fulfill that longing in our life for His person and His presence and to fulfill His requirement for complete, honest, authentic worship that satisfies His, His, not His need, but satisfies what He deserves as our God, our Sovereign, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Praise God. So that's where she immediately, after He, he did that in her life, amen, and she, she found what she was looking for in Christ that she couldn't find in any other human relationship. And she had a deep desire to show uh, how much she appreciated by worshiping Him. This woman had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ at Jacob's well. He had given her living water. Her sins were forgiven. Her guilt was gone. Now her heart was overflowing with love and gratitude. And she sought to worship this wonderful God acceptably. Praise God. And this is what she said to him. Listen to it. Verses 19 through 24 of John's Gospel, chapter 4. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem, worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship, worship Him, this is imperative, listen, must worship Him, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Someone has said, and I quote, there's something in us, something spiritual, something innate, something God created you with and me with, something which cries out to worship the Savior and the Creator. The world will pervert it if it can but the void of our heart will never be filled until we become true worshipers. This is my desire. I want to be a true worshiper. I want to move out of my selfish awareness of my wants and into the spiritual realm of God's presence. I want to worship Him 
and I want to be changed by the experience. You see, friend, true worship liberates us and changes us. True worship brings us closer to the one whose image we bear in truth. We worship God from our heart, in spirit, and in that wonderful truth of honesty and sincerity. And when we do, that concrete floor in that building, that carpeted floor in that building, and our very feet are standing on holy ground. In worship, truth becomes a person, lives in our heart, setting us free from the loneliness and the search for significance. And as Christians, we above all people should understand the emptiness of the world. We understand that they're in a desperate search to find something to fill the void. The God-shaped hole in their heart that cannot be filled with the things of the world. No person, no thing can take the place of Christ. We understand that the lost are suffering from a cosmic loneliness. We can explain their emptiness, but what about the prevailing emptiness which haunts so many churches today? When we look at so many churches where programs have substituted for praise and there's nothing, nothing wrong, there's no, we need programs, we need organization. Ah, but it is no substitute for the worship of God that brings us in to the presence of God. And works have been substituted for worship. What we see are churches trying to do what the world is doing. We see churches trying to fill a God-shaped void of all places with world-shaped ideas. And the church, the people who are flocking to religious services every Sunday, they are empty because they have forgotten what true worship really is. Maybe they've never known what true worship really is. That is what was going on during the life of Jesus. The Jews insisted that theirs was true worship because they worshipped at the temple, Mount Zion, the temple on Mount Zion. The Samaritans declared that the Jews were worshipping in the wrong place. Therefore, their worship was false. Instead, the Samaritans insisted that the true place of worship was Mount Gizurim, where they had built their own temple. The Samaritan woman had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And she said, which one of these places can I go and worship God authentically and acceptably? And he said, the time has come when neither that mountain nor that holy city, no other holy place. You see, it's not the stained glass windows. It's not the steeple. It's not all of the, all of the trappings of religion that causes God to draw near. It is something that occurs in the heart. In fact, the building is where the church comes to worship God. <laughs> Amen. I'm not saying it's not a church, but we need to see it differently. The building itself is stone and stained glass and steeple and mortar. But when people come into the church with hearts that long, filled with gratitude, that long to praise the God, 
that loved him enough to give his son and the son that loved him enough to stay on the cross. Something is going to occur. Something spiritual is going to occur. Praise God. Amen. And that love and gratitude in our hearts is going to be expressed in an authentic, honest, sincere Worship of God. Glory to the Lord. It is a spiritual sacrifice at that point. Because it is for God alone. Praise the Lord. First Peter 2 and verse 5. Listen to this scripture. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. This doesn't begin with just praising Him with our mouth. This begins with praising Him with our life. The Scripture goes on to say that we are to, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God in the book of Romans. I, I, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The actual connotation from the Greek, the original Greek is, which is your true spiritual worship. Praise God. It's not just to give worship to God on Sunday morning, but to live a life. That is a life that worships God by the way we love Him, serve Him, and obey Him. Glory to God. Look at Hebrews 13 and verse 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise unto God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. The fruit of our life and the fruit of our lips should match there shouldn't be any any difference between the life that we're living and the praise that we are giving. And it is for God and God alone. Listen to Exodus as we... And, and I, 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 I want to slow down and teach just a little while. I feel the preacher in me rising up because I believe that as we begin to worship God in spirit and in truth, we are going to sense the presence of the Holy One of Israel, that wonderful Savior and sovereign King of ours. Jesus Christ is going to draw near enough for us to sense Him. And in sensing the holy, we're going to want to be holy. Hallelujah. We're going to be convicted of our sins of omission and commission, not just because someone is shaming us or someone is beating us over the head with the word and reminding us of how awful we are, but because of the Holy One that we are sensing in the midst of us. And I don't know about you, but when I feel that Holy Presence, I just want to get down before God on my face and let the Holy Spirit show me the things that I can do without, the things that He wants me to get out of and get away from that would keep me from enjoying the presence of God and the power of God that I need to walk in and overcome with in my heart and in my life. Oh, friend, God wants us to become authentic worshipers that we might be fulfilled in our worship of God and in our service of God. 
that we would give thanks and that we would live thanks in our lives. Hallelujah. And that we would fulfill His requirement for worship, that it be done imperative. This imperative be accomplished that they that worship God, there's no place that will satisfy Him. If the heart, if it isn't coming from the heart of the worshiper, there's no building, there's no place, there's no program of worship that will ever satisfy God until all of that begins to occur first in our heart and then it comes out through our mouth in praise and adoration. Glory be to God. Well, let's read Exodus chapter 30, verse 31 through 38. And see what it says. It says, Say to the Israelites, This is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on men's bodies and do not make any oil with the same formula. It is sacred and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and whoever puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from his people. This literal word is the incense that they would burn before the altar of God, just before that big linen curtain, so that that incense would go under the curtain and come up before the Lord. Verse 34 said, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Take fragrant spices, gum and resin, and uh, anecha and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense. The work of a perfumer, it is to be salted and pure and sacred. <laughs> There's the truth in worship. Grind some of it into powder and place it in front of the testimony in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It will be most holy to you. Do not make any license with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from his people. I want to make some points about this and what worship is about in the Old and the New Covenant. God has always instructed his people how he should be worshipped. Notice that this perfume, actually a sweet-smelling incense, was made for God alone, according to verse 37. The recipe was not to be duplicated for any man or woman or person. To do so would cause one to be cut off. What is the point? The fragrance was for God alone. It rose to God's nostrils. It was unique, and it was for Him. It was to bless Him. I love the way David put it. He said, Bless the Lord. O my soul and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Hallelujah. And forget not His benefits. Glory to God. He said other things like, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. This is a great picture of worship. Our worship rises up to God is to be unique, separated, holy, and well-pleasing to Him. This is one of the great problems in many circles today, Christian circles. Many are losing sight of God, and the focus is on themselves and our wants. Our English word worship is derived from the Anglo-Saxon word worship, and thus our worship should declare the worth that we place upon our God, 
our Sovereign, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Worship is ascribing worth to God. Note And notice that not only is God worthy of worship, someone has wrote to worship is to quicken. That only God, rather, is worthy of worship. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination with the beauty of God, and to open the heart to the love of God, and then to devote the will to the purpose of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach on, on all of those points sometime. We need to hear it. We need to heed it today. Great is the Lord, the Scripture declares, and therefore He is greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Amen. When we can sing a, a, a song of worship that was intended to include all of our faculties, our heart, soul, mind, and being, and we sing it from just our head, and we just sing it with our vocal cords, and there's a, there's a detachment between the, the head and the heart. God doesn't receive it. Ah, oh, but when we worship Him, my dear friends, from our very heart, with our soul and everything, our spirit and everything that is within us, with the passion of our love for Him, with the purpose of adoring Him and praising Him, we're going to qualify as true worshipers. And God said, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And I believe when he finds it, as someone has said, Amen, when we worship God, he inhabits the praises of his people. And this was their comment on that. One Bible scholar, to inhabit means to be enthroned by, to be enthroned, to be enthroned. When we worship him, he therefore said, we make a throne for him in our heart. We vacate that place that is reserved only for God. And we allow no one but God to sit upon that throne and that place within our heart. No one but Jesus Christ to sit upon that throne. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, and we praise Him acceptably, we make a throne for Him in our heart. And when we make a throne for Him... In our heart, He comes and takes His place upon the throne. That means we draw near to God in worship. He draws near to us with His very presence by and through the Holy Spirit. And worship is not a mere religious ritual, not just a routine that we go through without any sense of reality anymore, of, of a passion and purpose. Ah, but there is no disconnect anymore between the head and the heart, the words of the mouth and our soul. Oh, oh, bless the Lord. We could say with David of old in full gratitude and an understanding, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name, and don't ever forget all of the benefits that have stimulated us to worship God with all that we are and all that we have. Hallelujah. Praise God. Even when we give in the offering, 
Amen. It's not being extracted from us like a tooth being pulled out of some religious responsibility or duty. You know, the Bible said that God loves a cheerful giver. So when we give, we don't give out of necessity. Amen. Nor grudgingly, but willingly. For the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He looks for worship in that same way. In fact, our giving in the offering at church becomes an act of worship, a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I pray that Sunday mornings will be charged uh, with the presence of God and that we instead of can't wait to go home, (laughs) we can't wait to get to church, to get into the presence of a living, loving, listening, lifting God and to give to Him what we yearn and long to give to Him and that is authentic worship. Praise the Lord. I want to challenge you today if you're not a true worshiper, to become a true worshiper of the Lord. To begin to worship God in spirit and in truth, because He seeks such to worship Him. And if you are a worshiper of God today, amen, that you begin to worship Him like never before, knowing that the coming of the Lord is very, very soon. And today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior, I pray that you will open your heart right now, that you will receive Christ as your Savior, that you will repent and confess your sins, and that from that moment forward, that you will become a true worshiper of God. And worship Him with us forever, age without end, when He comes. We love you today. Come back next week, and let's talk about Jesus.